Hi, this is Joy Jarman-Walsh. Thanks for joining today. I'm talking about an article that was written from an interview I did with a Japan travel promotion organization in the United Kingdom. Their series is called Postcards from Japan. And the title of our interview is Promoting Sustainable Solutions and Family-Friendly Road Trips in the Chugoku Area with Joy Jarman-Walsh. That's me. So in the article, uh, she describes my background and my ideas for great travel in the Chugoku area of Japan for visitors or new residents um, or even residents who are looking for trips that they haven't done yet. Um, I'd like to talk about the article and give you some insights um, extra that maybe didn't appear in the article this time. So in the beginning of the article, she says Joy was one of the jet program trailblazers in the 90s and has been involved with the local tourism in Japan since 1999. It's interesting that in the Seeking Sustainability Live series, a lot of the people that I interview who are doing great things in Japan um, did start out their career as jets, as Japan English teachers in the Mambusho government-sponsored program. So it is still a great program as an introduction to Japan, uh, embraced by a community. You have a local support network. You don't necessarily have to be a teacher. Uh, I know the program has changed a lot over the years since I started as a JET. Um, but there's still a lot of benefit to the program. So if you're interested um, in learning more about JET, there's a lot of information online. There's an excellent AJET magazine called Connection if you search issue.com. And if you contact your local or your country's Japanese embassy, they should have information about how you can apply. In the article, she talks about 1999 as when we started doing tourism promotion. So that was the year we launched GetHiroshima.com as a way to give insights for local international residents as some great events, activities, places to eat um, outside of the normal uh, international bars or places that were only advertised or only known about at the time for international residents. Frustrated by people overlooking Hiroshima as an amazing destination, she became one of the founders of Get Hiroshima, an amazing resource for those wanting to get under the skin of the area. I'll give you a little bit of backstory here. So around this time, uh, we had been living in Hiroshima for a while. Uh, we uh, started meeting a lot of local people, going to local events, um, trying to get outside of the normal international bars. And we discovered that there was so much on offer in Hiroshima and it was such a great place. Um, but in all the travel guides at the time, they were just saying, don't spend any time in Hiroshima, just get in quickly, see the Peace Park in Miyajima and get out. There's nothing else there. And I contacted 
these travel guides a few times and their response was quite negative and cold and uh, I offered to even write new entries for them because it just did not reflect what Hiroshima was actually like as a resident or visitor. So I, I really worked hard to communicate many times to travel uh, <laughs> books organizations. Uh, there wasn't really websites so much at the time. And uh, eventually Hiroshima was listed as one of the top destinations in the world by one of the biggest travel guide book organizations. So I feel like over time, uh, over our persistence and over our positive message and introductions of Hiroshima, that we have been able to have a proactive positive effect on not only travel to the area, but enhancing or uh, improving the lives of local international residents and creating a more diverse community in terms of uh, a liveliness of the local area. For years, she worked as a university lecturer but in 2019, she started a new chapter in her life and created the Inbound Ambassador, a sustainability-focused business. At first, she was training local guides, but in 2020, she started her daily livestream show called Seeking Sustainability Live, and it's a joy to listen to. You might cringe at the use of that pun, uh, which is also connected to my name, of course. I have grown up uh, trying to live up to the name joy and happiness, and I'm embracing it. Hey, if it's used in a positive way, I'm all for it. <laughs> um, so she was uh, saying Seeking Sustainability Live is a joy to listen to. I love that. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, the next part she's talking about discover Japan's most exciting sustainable initiatives and the travel plan ideas for a family road trip in the Chugoku area. Time to venture outside the Peace Park in Hiroshima and Miyajima and uncover the local treasures. I think this is the key to any successful travel or new residents coming to the Hiroshima area is that you explore and venture outside the usual places that international residents or visitors might go to. And you talk to locals and you just wander around the back streets. That is my favorite thing to do in Hiroshima. I'm always discovering new places, always talking to new people and having great experiences. So that would be my number one recommendation if you're in Hiroshima or anywhere in Japan is to just get out early morning when there's not many people around, wander around, uh, when it's a busy time of day, take the back streets, um, just keep getting out and exploring new areas and you will discover your own unique adventure and your own wonderful travel experience. Even if you're a resident, you can still enjoy travel in your local area. So now the interview portion of the article starts. She says, thanks for talking to us today. Could you tell us a little about yourself? Sure. I grew up on Oahu, Hawaii and went to university in Southern California. Then came to Japan on the JET program and I was based in Kyushu, Oita, 
city for three years, traveled around Asia for 18 months, and came back to work in Japan, this time in Hiroshima, in 1996. We started Get Hiroshima in 1999, and I started Inbound Ambassador in 2019 after stepping away from a 23-year teaching career at the university level. That is something that uh, during the coronavirus, of course, I was missing the normal monthly paycheck um, and the travel industry has basically been put on hold, but I have had the energy and opportunity to start the daily talk show series, Seeking Sustainability Live. So I have no regrets. I'm glad to have had the experience of teaching at university for so long and having time to research and work with students and other faculty. And I'm so grateful to have this next phase of my life um, to try new things and to work with businesses and entrepreneurs and collaborate with others and try to help to promote people and businesses who are doing really exciting sustainable things. They just need a little bit of help in promotion. So I feel like that's a great new role for me um, after I left university. The next question she asks is how did you end up working and living in Japan and what was it like? Um, I said the JET program was a fantastic introductory job to a long career in Japan. I was familiar with Japanese food and culture from growing up in Hawaii, but learning the language and traveling around Japan to do triathlon races, training, hiking, and sightseeing was a revelation. Um, before having kids, we were very active doing triathlon, as I said, and uh, we did a lot of training and traveling around the country, usually to the rural areas to do the races. And that was a really great way to meet local people and see places outside of the main sightseeing tourist areas. Uh, we also did a six-week cycle trip around Hokkaido. Uh, we did a lot of active stuff around Japan, and those are great memories um, from my first 10 years in Japan that I'm really glad uh, we did that. And it was a great chance to see how different Japan is region to region and um, listen to different dialects in different areas and being based in the rural area or outside the big cities uh, based in Kyushu it was a really good chance to study hard and learn Japanese and be able to get to a foundation level where I was able to communicate and express my ideas and understand people and uh, so I'm really grateful to that initial three years on the JET program. The next question, what inspired you to start the Get Hiroshima website with your husband? As I said before, we were frustrated by travel guidebooks that dismissed travel to Hiroshima longer than a quick stopover. We knew there was so much value to a longer stay and wanted to be part of the content creating influence to develop more meaningful travel opportunities to our city. We initially aimed content at the international residents, encouraging them to venture beyond the gaijin favorite eateries to go to local events, backstreet bars, and mom and pop shops. Gaijin is the Japanese word for foreigner or outsider. Next question, your website is filled with fascinating recommendations. What do you consider your greatest discovery in Hiroshima? 
Of course, this is really hard to choose after so many years based in Hiroshima and writing for Get Hiroshima and doing research for travel articles. But my answer is I love discovering Hiroshima Okonomiyaki shop stories of heritage. For example, those that link back to the start of the local dish in 1945. Some are still using the original Tepan steel cookers salvaged from the retired World War II warships. Others were started on a street cart made simply of cabbage, flour, and water, sold to workers rebuilding the city. So if you visit Hiroshima or you go into an old、uh, okonomiyaki shop, which is the local dish, it's a layered, kind of like a layered pancake.、Um, but if you learn about the history, usually from the shopkeepers, they've got great stories of how they got started. And it was often a way for mothers or women to start a business. And it was started really humbly with just flour, which came from the occupying troops who were helping rebuild the city, water, which had, and cabbage, which was one of the only vegetables that they could grow and get locally. So that was a very simple beginning. And then sometimes you hear stories from、uh, owners who started in right after the war saying that sometimes people would bring their own egg because、um, maybe they had a chicken or they had a neighbor who had chickens that they could get eggs. But eggs, of course, are part of the normal ingredient now. But after the war, you had to have money. Um, to have eggs. Eggs was a really valuable resource. And、uh, then later on in the recipe, noodles were added. And then later on, meat was added. So the dish as it is now is very、uh, gorgeous and high, high class and high volume. But the roots of the dish are very simple just to fill people up. People did not have money. Um, they just needed to fill up, have a little bit of energy and nutrition to get back to work rebuilding the city. So I, I love hearing stories from Okonomiyaki owners and chefs about how their business got started or how their grandma or their mom started the business.、Um, so if you can, make sure that you、uh, ask questions to the Okonomiyaki shop people. When you find an okonomiyaki shop, and there are so many great ones to choose from in Hiroshima. Next question How did your sustainability focused business, Inbound Ambassador, come from? What exactly do you do? I get this question a lot. I realize that、uh, the kind of business I want to run and am trying to create is not something that a lot of people are doing. Which is good and bad if you're talking about marketing and the blue ocean versus the red ocean strategy.、Um, if you're in the red ocean, which means you have a lot of other rivals doing the same thing, people immediately know what you're doing. If you're in the blue ocean type of situation, you're out there alone in the ocean, which is a good thing because you're the only one. But the bad thing is, People have no idea what you're doing because there's nothing to compare it to. So, anyway, my answer is as a university lecturer, I was researching and talking about tourism and business. And once I finished my master's in sustainable tourism from Arizona State University, thank you, Arizona, 
I decided to put my theories to the test in the real world, working with destinations and businesses to develop a stronger brand using more sustainable concepts. In 2019, I was training travel guides, doing guided tour workshops, holding events, and consulting with destinations. In 2020, I transitioned to hosting a daily live stream show and podcast with guests from across Japan in order to share ideas and inspiration from Japan to a worldwide audience called Seeking Sustainability Live, which you can find on YouTube and in podcast audio form like this. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, so when I started in 2019, the event that I'm talking about was actually called Seeking Sustainability. And at the time, I was based in Hiroshima, still am, um, but I didn't know of anybody trying to do anything to promote sustainability in business or travel or even lifestyle. So I decided once a month to work with some of my um, friends and colleagues, invite some people to be guest speakers. Um, the guests would talk just for 10 minutes. We would have two or three speakers each time. And then we would have uh, vegan food because uh, eating plant-based is a lot more sustainable than eating meat or fish. And uh, using reusable plates uh, for the food and drink. And uh, we had a guy who came and he would sell things from his zero waste shop. So if you had your own containers, you could pay by weight. So we also had a workshop section where for about 10 minutes we would teach um, something and try it out together. For example, we made our own toothpaste. Um, we made our own deodorant. Uh, we made plant-based milk from oats and water. Um, so we were trying different things to try to show that sustainability and concept might seem overwhelming and hard, but in actuality, um, it's not so hard and it's not so beyond the scope of what we can do in our normal lives. Uh, we also had a free exchange area. So if you had any clothes or bags or anything that was in good condition, but you didn't have a use for, um, you could have a free exchange area. So this event that I started in 2019 was growing in popularity. It was really becoming successful. But when coronavirus hit, it was kind of from this initial event concept that the online interviews with guest speakers was created. So during coronavirus, went online, started contacting people to be guest speakers, doing the live, because I think live streaming has an important transparency and accountability, which is so important when talking about sustainability. Um, you want people to know that what you're talking about and what their questions are as you're live is really happening. Um, it's not edited. So yeah, that was a great first step in creating the online talk show experience. But it's, it's nice to give you a little bit of backstory about how that started in 2019. So back to the interview, I say SSL, so Seeking Sustainability Live, SSL, 
is more of a branding and networking tool than a typical business product, but it has so much value as a way to network, collaborate, and promote the good work of other entrepreneurs or businesses in Japan. Uh, in 2021, the bi-monthly SSL workshop series has also launched to teach hands-on skills to participants from vegan cooking to photography, art, farming, natural dyeing, and more. It's a very exciting new way to collaborate with local experts with creating value and inspiration for our stay-at-home audience. Yeah, so the Seeking Sustainability Live Workshops has just started January 2021, and we've had two workshops so far, both based on uh, teaching people like an online cooking lesson in vegan food. The reason we're focusing on vegan cooking so much is because Japan is really disadvantaged right now in terms of keeping up with the world in offering vegan options at restaurants or in making it easy for vegan residents or visitors to find options. So I figured the more we teach um, great vegan cooking options to residents or business people, the more we can have a positive effect on what is available. It's kind of a, a long-term view of developing more vegan options in Japan. But it's not only cooking lessons that we'll have. Uh, we have plans in the works for photography lesson. So a professional photographer is going to take us step by step through ways we can improve our own photography or our own style of taking photos, even with your smartphone. So we're trying to use this SSL workshop series as a way to give practical knowledge that people can try for these two hours in the workshop and then have that experience of learning something hands-on that they can apply to their life and make a little bit more sustainable choices um, and see the world in a little bit more doable way in terms of sustainability. So that's the aim of the workshop series. We have a lot of exciting topics and teachers in the works and we're trying to do this twice a month. So if you're interested in that, have a look at inboundambassador.com SSL workshop. Okay, and the next question, she says, what places or businesses in Japan would you recommend to visitors seeking sustainable travel? Have you come across any particularly impressive examples? I'm so very impressed by the efforts of the travel entrepreneurs I've talked to in the SSL series, I say. And this is my great opportunity and I'm so glad that she asked me and allowed me to shout out to so many other people in the travel industry who are doing such great work in terms of sustainability. So I give lots of examples, for example, in Tohoku, Jess Hollams, the Hidden Japan's Derek Yamashita, the Kiwi Yamabushi Tim Bunting are doing a wonderful job with slow travel destination branding for the least visited areas in Japan. It always surprises me that so few people from domestic travel and international travel visit the Tohoku area. It is so beautiful and so gorgeous. And I cannot wait after the coronavirus to get up there myself and spend some time walking 
and hiking and seeing the amazing natural scenery. The next part, I say, in Chugoku Shikoku area, Alex Deburu of Peko Peko Box, Sam Barclay of Hidden Japan Travel, Norman White of Cycle Shikoku, Akira and Azuma at the Zero Waste Academy in Kamikatsu, and Alena Eckelman in Wakayama are all providing stunning value sustainable tourism services. Even from outside Japan, Tina McCarthy is doing great work with Melbourne, Australia to promote Shimanami cycling trips for women. In Kyushu, we see amazing offerings thanks to Alex Bradshaw of Sengan-en, Nick Zaz of Fukuoka Now, and Kyushu Journey Simon and Moo. Even the busiest hubs of Tokyo can still have great backstreet, more sustainable guided tours. For example, with Maktian Planet Max Salmon, Haiku Poet Kit Nakamuma, uh, Yukio Matsuzaki of Kamakura Mind, Carrie and Marik at Tokyo Chipo, and photo walks with Alfie Goodrich. We also see a lot of great work in sustainability and promoting vegan travel or more sustainable options with Sebastian Duval of Japan Travel. Next question. What places would you recommend to people visiting the Chugoku area for the first time? There are so many wonderful spots in this area for cycling, camping, hiking, walking, and driving. I think spending a few days along the Shimanami Kaido's route, cycling, walking, staying, and exploring small towns is a great way to experience the area. It is set up to welcome visitors, and it's not hard to get away from crowds and interact with locals. If you start in Onomichi, Hiroshima, and plan easy cycling days to explore towns along the way, to end your trip a few days later in Ehime on Shikoku Island, it would be an amazing introduction to real Japan. Next question, can you give any travel tips to exploring the Chugoku area to experience an authentic Japan trip with your family? My family loves coastal trips, so I would recommend hiring a car in Hiroshima and enjoying driving around to key spots in the region. Start the day in Peace Park and finish your day on Miyajima Island. Start the next day with a drive to Kintaikyo Bridge, including a stopover to the quaint goldfish lantern town of Yanai, and end the day at the beach town of Hikari, or across the mountains at the pottery town of Hagi in Yamaguchi. I should add here that this is a one-week trip, one trip uh, visit kind of plan. But of course, if you have longer, definitely take your time. And if you're a resident in the area, definitely try one of these on weekend journeys and do one or two nights in each area. That would be the ideal way to experience the area, I would think. Um, I continue with take your time driving along the stunning coast, stopping to enjoy a swim at the beach in Hamada Shimane along the way, aiming to arrive by late afternoon at the anime-themed town of Sakai Minato in Totori. So Totori is famous for anime from uh, Gege Kitaro anime series, and they have a really interesting little town that I think families would enjoy if you love manga and anime. 
And then I continue, spend the next morning at the Totori Sand Dunes and head back over the mountains to Okayama to enjoy Jean Street Kojima and the classic charms of Bizen or choose to pop over to the art islands of Naoshima and Teshima. Finish your week-long tour of Chugoku back in the naval town of Kure for curry rice and sake or exploring other sites, shopping and activities in Hiroshima City. So of course, there's a lot, a lot, a lot that I wasn't able to mention in the article about travel in the Chugoku area. Um, if you're interested, we do cover a lot of uh, day trips or short travel for the area on gethiroshima.com. Um, there's so many more sites that I would love to recommend. So maybe I'll do a podcast on different uh, day trips or different sites around the area in future. And the next question, she says, where are you hoping to visit next? And I say thanks to the SSL series. I've been introduced to the area and appeal of the Kumano Trail and natural sites in Wakayama, which I have yet to visit. And also talking with the travel um, advisors in the Tohoku area, I really want to walk along the Michinoku Coastal Trail, the MCT, along the coast in Tohoku. I think that would be a great uh, week long trip or maybe two weeks trip to do a part of that. The views look stunning. Uh, next part, she says this month we're focusing on the word kui daore, meaning eat until you drop. Winter is the time for hibernation and great festive food after all. What Japanese food could you eat till you drop? And I say I am such a huge fan of wagashi. And there are so many wonderful destinations which excel at the naturally plant-based vegan, also often gluten-free, healthier than donuts or candy sweets, wagashi. I found so many beautiful traditional wagashi in Matsue City on a recent uh, destination consulting trip that I did for Japan Travel, as well as the Gion district of Kyoto. There are great wagashi varieties, even in convenience stores. But the absolute divine versions are found in traditional shops and tea houses where they make it fresh each day. There are workshops sometimes at travel destinations where you could try your hand at making it um, or in some areas, even inside museums. Sometimes you can see the artisan, the wagashi artisan, um, making the wagashi in front of you that you're going to eat with your tea. And I, I love seeing that. There is a really beautiful skill in making such beautiful shapes and colors. And often it's made um, with no sugar, um, although it's very sweet and it, it's made with the rice paste. So the mochi and the beans and other natural ingredients. So definitely if you're visiting Japan or in Japan, keep trying wagashi because there's so many different wonderful varieties that I would recommend. And at the end of the article, she says, for those interested in checking what Joy has been up to, take a check of her Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube channel. Yes, please. And thank you so much for listening. And I hope you've learned a little bit about me and about my recommendations for the Chugoku area of Japan, which I know well, but I'm still excited about exploring more. 
So a big thank you to the GNTO and Ulena Turek for this wonderful interview article about me and my work. I really appreciate it. I also really appreciate all the supporters out there who are sharing, liking, commenting, and engaging with the content. Thank you so much. If you would like to support the work that I do, uh, you can leave a tip on buymeacoffee.com or on other platforms. You can find out more information on my website, inboundambassador.com. I am also very open to collaborating. So if you have an idea for how we can work together on sustainable focused projects and uh, create new ideas and concepts and uh, inspiration and spark new ideas, I'm all for it. So please reach out and I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much once again for tuning in today. I hope this podcast um, helped you feel inspired about exploring travel opportunities even in your own neighborhood. No matter where you are, there's always something new and interesting to explore, always new people to talk to, and new experiences to uncover. Of course, we're looking forward to travel reopening again uh, when it's safe to do so. And at that time, we welcome you to enjoying slow, meaningful, more sustainable travel in Japan. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.